This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom and welcome to Asia Torah here, Practical Spirituality in the Old City of Jerusalem. And right across from the Western Wall, today is a very special day. It's called Jerusalem Day. It is the, the culmination of our hopes of thousands of years. And that is really to rebuild the temple here in Jerusalem to establish world peace, to, uh, you know, have God's name be on the forefront of everyone's minds, hearts, lips. And uh, we like to celebrate Jerusalem Day prematurely. Um, what does that mean, prematurely? Uh, even though we are light years away from, uh, from what it's supposed to be, it's still something that we make a big deal out of. I don't know if that's good politically or something to make a big deal out of it, that we all scream rah, 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 and rah, and throw, you know, use pom-poms about it, because obviously half of Jerusalem's Arab pop, half of Jerusalem's population, whom are Arabs, are not excited about this day at all. In fact, they have a counter, uh, it's like a negative day for them. So I don't know if the celebrating it is somehow... Uh, maybe it's good in that it brings more awareness about Jerusalem and the importance of Jerusalem to to our people. Um, I wonder sometimes if God loves Jerusalem Day because they, they often will do a parade coming across all of Jerusalem to the Kotel. Is today they're going to do that? Anyway, one year the parade was supposed to start at 3 p.m. And at 3 p.m., it's funny saying it this year, it never rains this time of year like ever, but for some reason this time it has, you know, we've had some of the most torrential downpours ever in this month, which is bizarre. What? Just now it was raining a little? Um, But anyway, you almost never get rain in this month. And one year, with no rain predicted, no rain over Tel Aviv or any place in the city, uh, at three, yeah, I heard, at three o'clock, at 3 o'clock on Jerusalem Day, exactly when the parade was supposed to start, was a, an, and I was in this classroom, because this is when I teach, it was 3 o'clock, there was a, I mean, we almost couldn't teach. It was a, a uh, in Hebrew it's called a mabel, a deluge. Uh, it was unbelievable what came, hail, thunder, it was 80 degrees, <laughs> thunder, hail, lightning, it was huge. Even when I went back home at like 6 o'clock, coming down the Ben Yehud area, like, you know, right near Zion Square, it kind of divots a little and then goes up. It was still flooding into the stores on this, on this day. The parade was completely decimated, you know, at their 3 o'clock start. This was zero prediction, no clouds anywhere in the country. I called my friends in Beitar, it's even higher up, just 20 minutes from here. They're like, raining? <laughs> like, are you insane? It hasn't rained in months, you know, like... And, and, it's, and it's 80 degrees and sunny. Like a 20-minute drive from here. And, and I called all around. I called Beit Shemesh. They're directly west of us. Like, the clouds had to come over them. And uh, then I reached the guy who was mountain biking, you know, on his headset. And he's like, are you feeling okay? And, and I'm like, it is pouring rain. It rained on our parade. It rained on our parade. <laughs> And the, and it just so happens that it's kind of insane, this whole celebration, in that, 
like right now where I stand, I have my back against the, uh, you know, towards, I hate, one thing I don't like teaching this class, I have my back like towards the, the Western wall in the Temple Mount. I never like to do that. But if you look out the window here, so you see, you know, the whole Temple Mount, people starting to get crowded down there. It's going to be a concert, I think, later with a whole dance scene happening. Um, everyone want to say hi? Say hi. 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 I always feel bad if, like, some sem girl, sometimes we get seminary girls in the class, her, her mother's going to be, like, on Facebook going, like, why are you not in school? Anyway. Yeah, I heard, yeah. Yeah, she mentioned Jerusalem, too. Uh-huh. What, Eurovision's going to be here next year? <laughs> Whoever wins gets... People were dancing. Dancing in the Yeah, the Mikdash is coming with Eurovision. Maybe, the, maybe they can uh, show. The, maybe they do Eurovision's contest against the Western Wall. Like we'll put a stage halfway up the wall. <laughs> And we'll have the Eurovision contest over there. Anyway, um, so think where I stand right now. This is Jerusalem Day, and we're celebrating Jerusalem Day. And, but in reality, what if I were to go, what if I were to walk a hundred yards in this direction and start praying? How's it going, ladies? There's a table for two right here. Maybe one of you go around the other side so it'll be easier. So what if I just like, ladies who just walked in, what if I took off now, walked across the Kotel Plaza, just 100 yards, and went up to the Temple Mount and put on my tefillin, my talas, and just started praying? What would happen? Probably Do you know? Nothing good. Nothing good. <laughs> yeah, in the Temple Mount. 100 yards from here, just 100 yards. I mean, can you imagine telling an American they can't walk 100 yards and put on their tefillin? I would just walk 100 yards and put on my tefillin and t- pray. What would happen? God would strike you with lightning. No, I'm not talking about going to a forbidden spot on the temple, man. I'm talking about going to a regular spot. A regular spot. I've been to the mikvah already this morning. I, I'm pure to go to a lot of the spots up there. So what would happen? Wouldn't be shot. I'd be arrested. That's what happens. You get arrested if you do that. Um, you're not allowed to pray up there. There's people who walk around and watch your lips to make sure, because they know we pray, like, real quiet. And they, so they keep an eye on us. You know, make sure they don't pray. Certainly no prayer books. And definitely no tenses and fill in and all that stuff. What if I walked 200, no, 100 yards in this direction? What if I walked 100 yards in this direction into the Arab Quarter? So, on a good day, everything would be fine. But on a bad day, 
<laughs> is today a bad day? Oh, right, today's not, a, not their favorite day. Um, but it would be pretty dangerous. And the, as I walked 120, 130 meters, 140 meters, it gets more and more risky. Yeah, it gets more and more risky. Jerusalem day. And what about if I walked south? South, you have to go 200 yards, but I'm down in Silwan Valley. It's pretty radical. That's like a hotbed. You know, we're not even, I mean, if I, I'd have to avoid the soldiers because the soldiers wouldn't let me walk down there because they don't want the problem. You know, what if I just walked straight down into Silwan Valley? So we've got 100 yards that way is dangerous. 100 yards that way is dangerous. 200 yards that way is dangerous. The craziest thing, the only safe place I got to go is west, which is Ben Yehuda Street, and then it's that has its own dangers. <laughs> that might have some spiritual dangers. So, as Westerners, which we're not, but at least we're from Western countries, those of us from Western countries, it's an insult to our intelligence to call this freedom and democracy. I mean, can you imagine, you know, how long's the how long's the drive or the walk or whatever? What's the distance between where you live near the border of Maine and Canada and Florida? Tip of the Florida Keys, the tip of Florida. How far is that? And would anyone bother you the whole way? Nobody. And you could go north right through Canada. How far is that? You could go all the way to Alaska. No one would bother you. Actually, people would come and see how they could help out, you know. You're looking tired on this walk, you know. Maybe like a, some lemonade or something. And you could walk west to California. It's a long journey. And you just keep meeting more and more friendly people as you went. I mean, there are a couple inner cities, you know. I don't know if you want to, you know, sleep on the street of Baltimore, you know, in a tent so much. You know, that might get a little hairy. But uh, Baltimore is winning the, uh, winning the most uh, homicides uh, this year in the contest of homicides. We've got a Baltimore guy right here. You just don't look like you're from the neighborhood where everyone's getting killed, though. Well, you ever got killed, actually. What? Yeah, next door. Husband stopped his wife to death. That's unique. That's yeah. unique. I don't think they were Jewish. No. <laughs> Well, that's pretty radical. I can't believe that joined the homicide, uh, the homicide uh, statistics because that's a that's a rarity. You know, most of those murders are not domestic. You know, Thanksgiving uh, cutting knives, turkey knives. You know. Do you think she called him a jive turkey before she did it? Anyway, so. We're inside, we're inside a, we're inside a cage that has been designed by the Zionist movement. It's not going to last forever, and why they did it, none of us were ever prime minister to like understand the pressure involved in founding a Jewish state. So we can't, it's easy for us to laugh and say like, you know, you guys are like the biggest wimps on earth. You know, just as an American where it's like, you know, like it's, it's an insult to us 
that this place ain't safe at all, yet we're going to celebrate Independence Day, 70 years, and Jerusalem Day. When we're like, we are total wimps, but somehow, and I can't, I mean, I don't mean to be a little extreme here, but I can't, my mind, and of course this is just my mind, so throw it in the garbage if you want, this is not, you know, coming out of the tug right here, but my mind says that it's anti-Semitism's deep reach to the point where we apologize for our existence. That meaning, meaning we're, we're the ones always saying never again and those goyim and the anti-Semitism and the, you know, and, you know, Nazis and white supremacists and, but I think it might be so far reaching that we are apologizing for our own existence as a state, as a nation. And we're going to celebrate Jerusalem Day when half the city would like to see it dead. We're going to celebrate Jerusalem Day when the only point of Jerusalem historically was the actual, you know, temple. and The, the environs were for Kohanim, really, more, except for festivals. Festivals, it was everybody, but the rest of the year, it was whichever family of Kohanim had their turn. They took turns. And they would come within the walls of the old city. And Jerusalem was really in the walls of the old city. Once you're outside the walls, you're in a, kind of a different... You're in Judean hills. But they, the old city was quite large. Um, it was a little, I think it was a little larger than we see it today, but maybe... It was definitely different dimensions. Like, you'll notice the broad wall in the middle of the Jewish quarter. I don't know if you've seen that. But that, that was the wall. It's in the middle of the Jewish quarter, the wall there. But it extended beyond Damascus Gate. Um, so it, it just had different dimension. It might have been a similar size. It extended beyond the Damascus Gate. It's kind of just a funny trivial thing is the uh, trivia thing is that uh, one of the problems with the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which is like a couple hundred yards this way in the Arab Quarter, or I don't know if you call it, yeah, the Christian Quarter, the, um, the whole thing is that that's where Christ was buried. Except no one buried people inside the walls of the old city. So it was like a bad idea, you know. Whoever made that up kind of blew it. And so the purists were like, like there are, there are like purist camps in the Christian world. So the purists were like, we got to get, we, gotta, we need another place that we're going to call the burial. So they all agreed on a spot north of Damascus Gate over there. Is a, I don't know if you know, there's a little pilgrimage place where the burial is. Anyway, subsequently, with with modern state of Israel archaeology, they found the walls. They're beyond that spot. In other words, no one knows where he's buried at all. The, the closest they can possibly come to is... Uh, is uh, they have a strong feeling that they found a tomb in Talpio, that that's... Jesus' tomb there, like the real deal. That was like 10 years ago, right? I yeah. That, like 10 years yeah, ago. but the Christian world was really upset about it because it, 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 he was buried, whoever's buried there is with his kids, <laughs> which means he, he, he had, you know, you're not, I think he didn't, wasn't supposed to have had his own children. What? He wasn't supposed to have had kids. I think he was like, considered like the first priest or something. Or, you know. 
non-celibate priest. I forget. There was something about him. There was something about the family around him in this tomb they found that was problematic. So you can Google that or YouTube it. It's a, I, I watched it. But you're right. It was like ten years ago, so I don't remember. Anyway, we're done with our little trivia. Back to us is is that Jerusalem is is a spiritual reality that is all about the geographical space out this window, the Temple Mount specifically. That's what it's all about. And what was going on up there was so amazing, so intoxicating, that, that anyone who got within the walls of Jerusalem, and probably even outside the walls, were already in an altered state of consciousness. Now, anyone in this room who has ever experienced an altered state of consciousness in a spiritual way knows what I'm talking about when we're talking about, uh, when I'm discussing um, a rendezvous with the divine. Like you're, you're getting a, a direct interview with the actual reverberations or vibrational frequencies of the creator. And even the, the like the the least spiritual person in the world who was just coming to fulfill his or her obligation of a pilgrimage or an offering they had to bring because they accidentally did something on Shabbat, so now they have to bring a sheep. That's what you bring when you make an ex. You know, if you did something accidentally and broke Shabbat, you have to bring a sheep. But you would come into Jerusalem and you'd just be like, blown away in this altered state. That altered state came at the hands of a couple of different uh, elements. One of those elements was smell. There was an 11-ingredient incense, 11 incense that had a, an intense, intense feeling. Have you ever walked into a New Age bookshop or something like that, or aromatherapy? Now they have aromatherapy stores. That never existed. Have you ever walked in there and just been like, whoa, like something's different here, yeah. You know that feeling, like walking into an aromatherapy store or a new age bookshop with all the cool amethyst stones and stuff? Just come to my house. Oh, just come to your house? Yeah, I had a feeling. I can sense your energy. So I have mine too. So I have my own little sanctuary. I'll show you a picture of it later. So um, anyway, when you walk in those places, you just say, the energy. Isn't it different energy going on here? And that's, that would have, if you walked in my house and I'd only burned sage, which wasn't even what they were burning there, but Israeli sage of, there's many, many kinds of sages, one of which transports you to a completely spiritual realm, uh, but li- quite literally, it's called the divine sage. It's, it's, uh, it's uh, found in the Yucatan jungle of Mexico. And it's, uh, I mean, if you were to ingest this tea, you would, you would not be here for the next hour. And we put her in charge of you not, you know, like accidentally deciding you're going to take a walk, you know, which would never happen. But if you fell over, people generally lay down on it because you're not going to be walking. And, uh, but you, all you did was have tea, sage tea. And you're, you're somewhere else and you come back with stories of God knows what. I myself never got to have this tea. But it's... Uh, apparently amazing but the Israeli sage make, try to get some Israeli sage while you're here and bring it back um, although I, for me to even say bring any vegetation outside of Israel to, to 
North America or anywhere outside our borders pains me. Like, I'm that crazy. <laughs> I'm like that crazy a Zionist of like, don't take it out. There was even a, a uh, there were major, major uh, world le religion leaders of the shamanistic types who, I'm their address when they're here. And so they, they were in Egypt in a whole thing going on there. And they, they called me to come have like a, a full, you know, like, um, really like a panel with an audience and stuff, which we had done a couple of years ago. And they said, you know, we would come if you would invite. <laughs> when you're here, we can do it. I'm not bringing foreign traditions into our country. I don't... What? I don't think I have anything. Normally I carry on me something. Oh, that's a joint. Just kidding. Just kidding. I got a kind bar. You ever lit a kind bar on fire? <laughs> I'll try to remember. Normally I have something. I, I I'm just... I don't know. Anyway, but you got to check out the Israeli sage. Because you know the normal smudge stick of a white sage in America? You know these big sage smudge sticks? It's, it's bitter compared to our sage. Our sage is so sweet. If you walked into my house with sage burning, you would all just like be, you'd walk through my house, you'd just be going like, wow. And it, that's just smell. By the way, this whole aromatherapy thing going on in the world today is because the world's coming to a more spiritual age. Because smell is our most spiritual sense. You know, touch has been famous for years. <laughs> um, Sight, as we've had, you know, artist, artistic, artistry, being artist and appreciating art has caught on slower than most things for human civilization. Sound, music has been before art, before painted mediums. Music was more original. And so touch and then sound and then sight and... But, and taste obviously is from the very beginning because that's how you survive is by tasting whether something's going to be poisonous or not. That's our, that's our indicator to keep ourselves alive. But smell is the most spiritual. It's the most spiritual. It doesn't even require any substance. I mean, if, if you walked in here with, a, I don't know, something that smells, you're the one with the thing that smells. Yet all of us in the room would be impacted by it without seeing it, without touching it, without even being near it. It would just do its thing. Smell is spiritual by nature. That's why on, uh, when, when, we leap, when we go out of Shabbat, we um, smell the, the spices because we're now letting go of this spiritual counterpart that joins us. We have this extra soul that joins us every Shabbat. And then we smell a little, uh, a little uh, incense or, uh, you know, some kind of smell to, to release, you know, kind of to say goodbye in a way to that which joined us on Shabbat or maybe to draw it into the week with us. Now, the temple had 11 of these going at all times, and they mixed together in a very specific way. 
that really had a big impact on people. They said the second you got inside the walls of the old city, you were like transported by it. But there were also, there were 10 miracles going on at all times. There were 10 miracles, uh, stuff like, for example, the showbreads that the, there was this 12 breaded stand that the Kohanim every Friday would come with fresh ones and put it in and take out the other ones. And they would be fresh from the week, the previous Friday. They eat the previous Friday ones. A week later. Can you imagine eating challah every week, but a week late? Mm-hmm. So they would eat it a week later. It was fresh every week. Um, there were things that never went bad. In the, the, al- the actual altar where the, where the flames were, where the offerings were, never was put out by rain. That's not even possible. <laughs> and ever, you ever tried having a barbecue in the rain? So, I mean, obviously, you could add more wood, maybe, that would help. But it's not that large a thing. There's only so much wood you can put in there. There's only so big you can make the fire. And we've got, as anyone who's been here this month, you know, any of you were here for the torrential uh, downpour? No, you were here for that? Achmim, you witnessed that? Yeah. Rishon Letzir. River is everywhere? Like hail and everything. Yeah. You were here for that? Yeah, it was with Hebron. Like, even in the cave was like flooding water. Yeah. So I missed all this. Did you? Were you guys here for this? You heard about it? Oh, you were in Haifa? It didn't rain in Haifa. It was. It was in the mountains. It was like a rainstorm. You didn't have rivers like washing in the stores and stuff. Was this more Jerusalem got hit hard? Oh, oh, no, I was here. Here, 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 here. No, like there was like the whole like, like tables and shopping carts. It was like. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, can you imagine trying being the Cohen in charge of keeping the keeping the lit? Yeah. You know, the the Makes a lot of smoke. The smoke, no matter how windy it was, always went straight. It always went straight up. So, like, you're just... That's that's just trippy. You know, you're at the temple. You know, there's a lot going on in every sense. all your Meaning all your senses. And, and there's this massive pillar of smoke shooting straight up, no matter how windy it is. And it just keeps, you know, it goes straight up. How cool was that? But beyond all of this is our most important sense, that's our most spiritual sense, even beyond smell, is music, sound. Why sound? Because sound moves at a vibrational frequency that's much more available to us in our, you know, meaning your central nervous system can handle sight, even though it's the speed of light. Sight is the speed of light. So, how, anyone know the speed of light? Uh, someone got a smartphone? Just ask Google. Hey, Google, like how... Three point one four times 10 to the That's not going to mean anything to anybody. Once they say to the... We don't know what they're talking Is that, uh, 
Here's what I found. 1,492,458 meters per second. How much? 299,792,458 meters per second. That's an interesting measurement. It's fast. Okay. Um, ask it, ask it, uh, just say, anyone have an iPhone here? Yeah. Can I borrow your iPhone for a second? Yeah, one, it's also 106,000. This one has miles. You weren't landing yours? Yeah, it's a little bit. Okay. No, it's, I'm kidding. What's going on over there, bro? It's like, I have fingers. Whose phone? Whose phone you got? It's Aaron Dove. You know Aaron Dove? Hey Siri, how fast is the speed of light? Hey Siri, how fast is the speed of light? How fast is the speed of light? She didn't say. Hey Siri, how fast is the speed of sound? Thanks for nothing. You got them both? Anyway, it's a extremely slower medium. Much, much, much slower medium. 343 meters per second. 343 meters per second. Don't worry about it. It's just extremely slow, and it works well with us. And the we we get it. We get music. Like, have ever anyone ever been to a concert with like thirty thousand people at it? I'm not asking the girl from seminary, or you're in big trouble. So, <laughs> have you ever been to a concert with like twenty, thirty thousand people at it, and everyone's moving vibrationally together to the beat of the music? Like the whole place is like taking on a whole new. Like reality going on in there, and the and it's spiritual by nature, even though it may be very physical, but it's the the u- unique union that it caused. That's spiritual, the unique union that was created out of totally different people, totally different personalities, each one with their likes and their dislikes and their tastes and uh, styles and they. And yet they were all united under this vibrational reality with music. That's why we, we just get music in a way we don't really get anything else like that. And, and, it, and it's sad for me that we don't have that in any Jewish way, meaning, meaning you basically have to go to Gentiles to have that experience. Otherwise, you can find Israelis doing it, but they'll be probably playing Gentile music at the time. You know. Leonard Cohen. Yes, so the tribute in Montreal. How was it? Amazing. Really? Yes. Well, we, we, we do have events here where thousands of people are moving to beats uh, for Jewish purposes. It's called the, the Yard Set of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Anyone here was at the Yard Set of Rabbi Shimon? Yeah. yeah. Well, you were probably there at a rough time. Yeah. <laughs> what? Everyone was what? Fainting. Fainting. There were a lot of people fainting. Yeah, there was. 
And my my own kid, my eight year old, wound up on oxygen in the hospital there, in the little field hospital. It's the biggest party on earth. There's no party on the planet that's as big. It come it's somewhere between five six hundred thousand people at one of party. You know, it's like whoa, it's crazy. A lot of fun, a lot of fun. Did you guys know that we outdo even the Gentiles in biggest party of the year? Yeah. There's there's uh, yeah this is the biggest one. Yeah, no one does that thing. How, much, like, how many people were like at Coachella? Not six hundred thousand, bro. No way. <laughs> Not even close. So, so the and it gets it's going to get bigger and bigger. This event, you realize, it just keeps it just keeps growing because it's once you've been there, you have to go back. You can't not go back. I met this French kid, a totally secular French kid there. And like, what are you doing here? He says, oh, my brother went to yeshiva five years ago. And I came to see him at this time of year. And so we went on this pilgrimage to this event. I said, like, okay, what are you doing here now? And he's like, well, you can't exactly not come back once you've been there. And so this poor kid has to come to Israel every year for this event. He's a completely secular kid. has no connection to Rabbi Shimon Bar or or Torah, or Zohar, or anything. He's, he's like, he's like tattooed, you know, real French secular kid, who's no longer really a kid anymore. He was, when I met him, he was probably 22 or something. But his brother brought him when he was, you know, younger, and he never missed it again. So, so it gets bigger and bigger. But when you came into Jerusalem, there were Levites, who were the band. They were thousands of them. I forget what the numbers were, but thousands and thousands. Rabbi, do you have any idea how many Levites were in the band at the, in the temple times? I know it's in the thousands, because it's recorded that it's in the thousands, but I don't remember how much exactly. Now, this included a massive choir, vo- I mean, a choral choir, vocal choir, but it also was a massive amount of musicians on all kinds of really amazing instruments, including percussion, percussive instruments. So, so it had percussion element, it had the music element of the instruments, and it had a big vocal element, big. They say it was so loud that with the right wind conditions, you could hear it in Jericho. You know, we have a Wadi. Wadi Kelp goes to Jericho. Where does Wadi Kelp again? Right here? Yeah, I thought it was over there. How did they hear it through Wadi Kelp? I can understand through Kidron Valley, but they said you could hear it in Jericho. Does that make any sense to you? You know what I'm saying? Seems strange to me. Right? Wadi Kelp goes all the way up to... Wherever that is, by Hisma, the Hisma Junction. It's not here. It's over there, just north of us. Have you done the whole Wadi Kelt? Is there ever a tributary from this area? No. There's the guitar! Mazata! I bought a. I brought careful my cable, please. I brought a. Uh, I brought you need a, a red. You need a pink cable. So <laughs> I brought a uh, 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 lock. Yay! I got a lock. Who Where's the, the tuner? Where's We're going to start with the concert today. You tuned it already? I tuned the it. The tuner was there. It's ready. We're going to start with the concert. And okay. Then if you don't want us to Guys, I was just talking about the music of the Levine and 
in uh, in Yom Yerushalayim. Anyway, can, let me just finish this thought, for, especially for... Um, the, last, the last thing is that when you came into Jerusalem, the Levites, the Levites were playing this music that was causing, you know, beyond the smells and beyond the sights and beyond the miracles that were happening here, including, like, people standing, like, packed, but then when it was time to bow, there was room. Like, that's not possible. Your bowing space is, like, five times your standing space. But people would be packed like this, like sardines, because it's the whole nation, and then they would bow, and there was room. But the Levites would be playing music that would be amazing, sometimes elating, and sometimes deeply, like, introspective and causing you to suddenly burst out sobbing. Sometimes everyone would just burst out sobbing, depending on what they had to play at the time. Because there was a conductor, Lam Natseach means to the conductor. There was a Kohen whose job was to keep an eye on everybody. He had what was called Chochmas Partsuf, or it's called uh, just the ability to see the physiognomy of a person's face. So he would read the crowd and then keep an eye on the conductor. He would tell the conductor, you got to move into something much deeper right now. And then he, the, the conductor would move into something deeper, and everyone would just start sobbing. And, and 20 minutes later, he might say to the conductor, like, let's take him up. And then it was like, you were jumping and dancing for joy. Like, this was all going on here in Jerusalem. On Shabbos. Including Shabbos, yeah. Part, the music Shabbos. was played on Shabbos, the incense was burned on Shabbos, then the offerings were brought. Not every offering is allowed, but the main offerings were brought, the daily offerings and stuff. So this is like, that's, what's, that's what we're missing. And so if we're going to celebrate Jerusalem Day, maybe it's important to get the voice of Jerusalem out this, in these political times. But let's get real here. Of what, let's get real with what Jerusalem's all about. And may we be blessed to see it speedily rebuilt. Amen. Amen. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.